The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Okay, Daniel chapter 4 is our text today. This, Tale of Two Kingdoms, is not the title of the sermon. It was going to be, but then I, th- I think I actually had this sermon title a while ago. Some of you that remember every word I ever say, could you back me up on that? Okay, absolutely nobody has any idea what I'm talking about right now. But uh, the, uh, I think we just used this a while ago, and I thought, but it fits perfectly. Because in Daniel chapter 4, uh, it actually talks about the kingdom of earth at least 10 different times. And it talks about the kingdom of God uh, 16 different times. So it's, it's this struggle, I guess you could say, between the kingdom of earth and the king of earth at the time it was Nebuchadnezzar, and the kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven, which is the first time in Scripture, in fact, I think the only time in Scripture that he is actually called the king of heaven. So you have that. And the spoiler alert, okay, at the end of chapter 4, we're going to find out that uh, the kingdom of heaven, I'm sorry, the kingdom of earth, or the king of men bows to the king of heaven. Okay, so that has a very happy ending at the end. But uh, chapter 4 is uh, maybe a little bit of the uh, looked-over chapter in the narrative that is Daniel because, you know, there's no story about uh, lions or there's no story about fiery furnaces or even writing on the wall. A couple of those are coming up in the next couple of weeks in chapter 5 and 6. This chapter is just labeled Nebuchadnezzar's Second Vision. That doesn't sound all that exciting to me. We already have one vision. Tell this guy to quit having these old dreams. Uh, But he does have a second dream, and we're going to take a look at it here today. So I'm going to begin in reading verse number 1 of Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to talk here to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me, seems like a smart thing for me to do, to show you the signs and wonders that the Most High God has for me. I'm sorry, that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. So he starts off and he says, I want to tell you some things that God has taught me. Okay, now he's, so he kind of starts at the end of the story. He said, here's where I am now. The Most High God rules. His kingdom endures forever. But I want to back up now, and I want to tell you how I got to the place where I believe that. So in the next verse, um, we're going to see that he says, the visions of my head as I lay upon my bed. Is that a little Dr. Susie to me? You like that? Uh, he actually repeats that twice. But uh, the visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great, and the tree grew and became strong. And its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Okay, this is his great world kingdom that Babylon was. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. Everyone looked to this for supply. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was uh, fed from it. So this is the center of the earth, this great kingdom. And I saw in my vision on my head as I lay in my bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. Looks like an angel here. And he proclaimed aloud, and he said this, Chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump. 
of its roots in, in, in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. So we're going to cut him off here. We're going to uh, break him out, and, we're, and he's going to live, if you want to say, like an animal here. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over here. By the way, Scripture is not clear even in the study of the original exactly how long those periods are you might have a translation that calls them years and they could have been years we don't really know but here's but the the king gets a vision and here's this great kingdom who he is he's the king of the earth and he is there's no doubt about it this is a world kingdom controls the earth everybody is looking to him he's the man He's the man everybody's going to rely on for care, for protection, everything like that. He is the powerful one. And God says, here's what's going to happen. Uh, this great tree that has spread out over the whole earth and has taken care of everybody is going to be cut down. And you are going to be out in the field like that of a beast. I'm going to change your mind to that of a beast. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know. Here's why we're going to do this. The living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream, I, Nebuchadnezzar, again, he's the one talking here, saw, and you, Belteshazzar, he's talking to Daniel. Remember, that's his, his uh, new name there. Uh, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Notice he gives the plural spirit of gods because uh, at this point he is still a polytheist. I mean, he's believing in the many gods. He says, I understand the gods help you. You helped me on my last dream back in chapter 2. I figure you're going to help me in this one. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while with his, and his thoughts alarmed him. Here's the thing. Daniel right away knew what the dream was about. Okay, here's this great tree. It's going to be cast down, and then he's going to be out living like a beast. Okay, Daniel knew right away, Nebuchadnezzar, this is where you're going, buddy. You've lifted yourself up above God. God is going to humble you. Here's how he's going to do it. He's going to chop you down. Uh, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to be out roaming like a beast. But uh, Daniel is not real anxious. Uh, I don't know if you remember this from recent week, weeks, but remember this Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he kind of likes to kill people. Do you remember that? That's his go-to move so that you're dead. Okay, so now you're not going to worship this God, so you're dead. Uh, we're going to kill you. We're going to rip your limbs off. He liked to come up with different and creative ways to do it, but he always liked to kill everybody. So Daniel it says he's a little afraid. He's not real anxious to tell Nebuchadnezzar where this dream is going. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Don't be afraid. And he answered and said, My Lord, may this dream be of those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, I'd kind of rather be telling you that somebody else is going to get cut down, that somebody else is going to be humbled. I don't really want to tell you that that's going to happen to you. But eventually all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking the roof of his royal palace in Babylon. Let me uh, stop there for just a second just to call your attention to the, uh, the time period at the end of 12 months, okay? So it wasn't like, got the dream, next day he's humble. It's going to happen after 12 months. After 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar is still enjoying his kingdom. The hanging gardens he had built for his wife, he's walking along going, this is sweet, and I am sweet, and it's all good. So for 12 months, Daniel must have been thinking, I told this guy he was going down. It's not happening. Come on, God, when are you going to come through? Okay, have you... 
stay with me because this is such a common theme. I was listening to Chris's sermon from a couple weeks ago yesterday. Sorry, it takes me a while to catch up. But as I was listening, he was talking about a prayer that went like 1,500 years unanswered. Uh, you know, some, this idea that God's timing is not ours is so important that we get a hold of. Twelve months, this guy's waiting to have this happen. Okay, you know, when he, you know, I, now think about that for a second. Sometimes we, we're waiting on God to show himself powerful, to humble somebody who's exalted himself against God. I'm not usually a big name mentioner in a negative way, but this guy I think is so blatantly like this. I'm going to go ahead. There's a guy named Bill Maher, M-A-H-E-R. Some of you know who he is. I, I, I don't know if he's called a comedian or a pundit or what he is. He used to have a show called Politically Incorrect that I used to watch sometimes. Uh, now he, he has, I don't know what his show is actually that he has now. It's somewhere on cable or, or whatever. But I have heard him on many occasions basically, come on, God. You're really believing in this God? He has basically just mocked God. You know, God, you don't exist. And I always want lightning to zap him. You, do you remember the line from uh, Jim Carrey's movie, you know, the old uh, Bruce Almighty, where he goes, uh, although strike me, thou, what is it, striker of strikers? Or No, wait, I wrote it down. Uh, I actually looked it up. What, what does he say? Smite me, almighty oh, smiter. That's what it is. He said, and I'm kind of waiting for that because this guy's like, smite me. Go ahead, show yourself God. Are you going to? Is it going to happen? Well, 12 months, okay? And a lot of times we're kind of waiting. Can I tell you this, though? <laughs> the Bible's clear. The day comes, every knee will bow. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, that day is coming. Okay, and Jesus has said our t his timing is not our timing, but that day most clearly is coming. Let's go on here a little bit. And the king answered and said, it, it is, not the, is not this Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence, the glory of my majesty. He said, this is awesome. Okay, look at this thing I built. While the words were still in his king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. So he's walking around going, look what I did. I built this. I built the hanging gardens. I built this great empire. It's covered the whole earth. Everybody's looking to me. I am the man. While he's still talking, God says, you're not anymore. And, uh, and he causes incredible confusion, the delusion in his mind, and uh, he loses his mind, and he loses his kingdom. Um, I want to say, just as an aside for a second here, you, you know, just on the topic of mental illness, I mean, we understand that because of sin, our bodies have flaws. You know, my knee doesn't work right, my kidneys don't work right, whatever doesn't work right. It is logical, I believe, to say also that the mind can have flaws. I say that because sometimes we look and we say, hey, if somebody's having mental problems, that's just a spiritual problem. But there are physical mental problems, too, I think that we ought to be well aware of, uh, that, that they can happen. Because sometimes we just write everybody off as, oh, well, that's because they're not thinking right. They're not believing God. There are actually problems that happen in people's brains that, that they're off on. This obviously happened to him. And uh, at that time, there was no way to care for him. There was no uh, medication. There was no therapy or anything like that. They just put him out, put him out in the wilderness. We, we have no way to take care of him. He's gone nuts. So that's where Nebuchadnezzar ends up is out in the wilderness, okay? But at the end of days, after this ha happened, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his eyes to heaven. And my reason, he says, return, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift my eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me, 
And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever, for His dominion is everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. That's already good. Look, look at this next statement. All the inhabitants of earth are counted as nothing. He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And none can stay His hand. Nobody can stop Him or say to Him, what have you done? Nobody gets the answer. So this is Nebuchadnezzar's declaration here at the end. That's pretty awesome. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty, my splendor returned to me. My counselors, my Lord, sought me, and I was established my kingdom and still even uh, more greatness. So he had this incredible world kingdom. It became even greater. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Okay? So the lesson that he learned, I think, jumps out. You know, he lifted himself up. Uh, he said, I got the answers. I'm the man. God says, and you know, we've mentioned this and we've seen this over and over again. We're not designed to handle praise. Um, we're not, I, I believe that's why you see so many tragic stories of the, in the entertainment world where people are praised and you see so many tragic stories in the sports world where people are praised and lifted up or in any other, uh, venue, including the church where man is lifted up and man is praised. And then pretty soon the man has a terrible fall. We're not designed to handle that praise. And we see that that happen, obviously, but there's a couple other things that I want to highlight as we look back at this story for a second. Things that must be important. <laughs> First thing that must be important is because there is a phrase that is repeated in chapter 4 three times. In, in verse number 17, in verse number 25, and in verse number 32, the Bible makes this statement, the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and He gives it to whom He will, and sets it over the lowly and sets over it the lowliest of men. The most high rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whom he will. I want you to digest that for a minute. I've told you before, I like to uh, when we take a part of the text, there's a um, app or a website called the Bible Hub. And if I put the verse in there, I can read the text in a bunch of different translations and, uh, and even in some uh, paraphrases. One of the paraphrases took this verse and said it like this, elections are won and lost when God casts his ballot. The winner will be the person that God chooses. So I can, without doubt, tell you exactly who's going to win in November of 2024. It's whoever God votes for. <laughs> I promise. By the way, I actually saw a, cam, uh, a sign. I think it's down on May Street. Some of you live over there uh, for 2024 already. I was like, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. I can't take it. Uh, but uh, now, again, my, my lemonade idea got shot down. I had another idea shot down this week, but I'm going to show you anyway because uh, I was impressed. You know, I get these creative ideas and, you know, show them to people, and they're like, uh, I don't understand. Did you all ever see these memes that people put up there where they're sitting, like, at a table, like, at a college campus, and they make a statement, and then they say, change my mind. Y'all see these? Because the people I asked earlier in the week had never seen them before, and they just looked at me like some of you are looking at me right now. Uh, so I, I actually had this vision that I was going to get a table and sit here and put my feet up on it like I see them do on a college campus and put this sign up here. It says, God chose the president. Change my mind. Okay. Oh, boy. Now, 
please understand, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender on this one. I'm pretty much going to offend everybody with this one way or another. But as I read that verse, okay, as I read that verse, all I can conclude is that God didn't wake up one day in November or December, whenever it was decided, and say, stink, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> I didn't want that. Uh, I, you know, I didn't think that was a good idea. And I think if we can grasp this, I just, see, I'm not uh, in a position to, you know, have great impact and change the country. This is not the largest church gathering this morning. I know some of you are like, surely it is. Uh, I doubt it's the, no, I'm pretty sure it's not even the largest in Edwardsburg this morning. Uh, so it's not like, uh, but I felt very much the sense of a calling of just saying, hey, during this time, you know, God, who do you put in my life that you want me to help through this time? And I think grasping this idea, we sang a lot uh, today about fear and the power of fear and the breaking away from that fear. Because, you know, in today, I think obviously we see that fear has a grip on people. That the enemy, if you will, is using divisiveness. I mean, he's dividing people in every way that he can. Uh, he's using fear. He's using anxiety. He's using deception. Uh, and he's using, uh, you know, just kind of throw, he's just trying to get us off track in every way that he can. Anxiousness and anger dominate. And if we can kind of grasp this idea, uh, I'll come back and illustrate that in a minute here. But I, I was thinking, I told you a few weeks ago, I decided that I wasn't going to keep around all my books that I knew I'd never read again. Uh, so that, you know, someday my kids didn't have to go through them. So, uh, but I did keep some that I thought I'd read again. And, and this, is, this is one that uh, I, I like C.S. Lewis. Not everybody's a big C.S. Lewis fan, but I love Mere Christianity. This is my second favorite of his books. It's called The Screwtape Letters. But uh, in this, C.S. Lewis writes, and he kind of uh, strategizes the way the demons would. And, you know, I don't know if that's the greatest exercise, but he kind of, hey, let's get together. If I, in other words, this is how Satan must think, how he's trying to keep people in the traps and in his lies so that they never know Jesus as Savior. And once he gets them, and once they have received Jesus, how can he keep them from ever sharing with anybody else? It's kind of his plans and his strategy. But I got thinking, uh, you know, just in recent days, I mean, if I were in the boardroom of hell and we were strategizing as to what we can do right now, I mean, don't you think they're pretty excited? I mean, honestly, don't you think if you just observe the life that we're in now and you look at the incredible division that is even in the church of Jesus Christ and you, and you look at the incredible deception, uh, the things that, uh, you know, the people are believing, uh, you know, don't you think they're having a pretty good time? You know, I was watching a uh, debate from, uh, I guess it was 1984, Ronald Reagan and Walter Mondale. Well, I think one of the biggest landslides in, in history. But uh, some of you, you'd be old-timer, but you remember the old Reagan line, I'm not going to hold my the other candidate's youth and inexperience against him uh, because, I don't know, Reagan was 107 at that point or something like that. No, I don't know how old he was, but he was getting up there. Uh, and he said that, and everybody laughs, and they both laughed. And they kinda, and but I watched some of this debate, and I, I'm sorry. Uh, again, I'm going to offend everybody, but listen. I remembered our first presidential debate this last fall, 
and I fully expected one of those two candidates to stand up and say, oh, no, no, you're a Mr. Poopy Pants. Um, you, you remember that? And I just thought about the, the anger and the, you know, and the division and how much it, ha it has spread. And, and, uh, and again, I, 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 my goal is not, my, my goal is to help us, you know, navigate this time. So whether or not you are looking right now and saying, that's not my president, I would no, get, never go for it, I think you would be a lot better off to realize that God didn't let this one get away from him. And if you have to look back to the four previous years when you proclaimed, that's not my president, I think you'd be better off to realize that God didn't let that one get away from him either. Okay? You say, well, then why should we even vote if it's only God's vote? Because that's the way God used to pick our president, and we want to be involved in that, and we want to pray about that, and we want to do that. And I'm not saying don't get involved and don't get active. I'll, I'll say some more about that in just a second here. Let's look at the second thing that must be important in this story. First reason, the first point must be important because it's repeated three times. The second thing must be important because Jesus uses it as an illustration. This whole idea of this kingdom being pictured as a tree in which the animals found shelter, the birds found shelter and found rest. Jesus used that in Matthew chapter 13. He put another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of the seeds, but when it has grown... His kingdom is larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree. Do you know why it becomes a tree? So that the birds of the air can come and make their nest in the branches. So that that kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar saw as this great tree that others found life from, they got fruit from, they got shelter from, it was sustained them, it gave them hope, it gave them, uh, took care of them as far as life concerned. Jesus said there's a new kingdom to look to. There's a new kingdom to look and trust to. There's a new kingdom in which the birds can come and make their nests and find rest. And that, my friends, is the kingdom that we want to lean on. My, uh, when our kids were little, we got into going to concerts, Christian concerts. They used to have these ones in Fort Wayne every summer. I don't even know if they do them anymore, but there was a group called New Song. Again, I'm aging myself because some of you are like, never heard of New Song. Uh, but uh, New Song was what they would bring in other Christian groups and they'd have these concerts. And we would go a lot. Well, New Song had an uh, album that they released one year called uh, Sheltering Trees. And they had a song, We All Need Sheltering Trees. I remember it very well because my son was pretty young at the time, and he used to walk around the house singing, We All Need Shelter and Cheese. Uh, we all need shelter and cheese. So we still uh, sing that regularly. In fact, as I've thought about the sermon, my wife's got to hear me sing that this week. We all need shelter and cheese uh, and, and focus on that. But the, the idea of that sheltering tree, that place where we run to rest is into his kingdom. A place where we find our hope, where we find our, uh, you know, where we have a trust and a confidence is not in the kingdom of man. Never is, never will be. That's not the, where our, we're going to find any type of security, but in the kingdom of God. We need that sheltering tree. And again, you know, I felt so much like my calling during this time is just to, to kind of continue to point us in that direction, to point us into the, towards the kingdom of God when we get wrapped up in the kingdom of man. Um, again, I was listening to Chris's sermon yesterday, and I heard him say a couple times the idea that our world becomes so full of noise that we can't, it's like we can't hear God. We get to, and, and would you say that with me, or see that with me for a second? Our world has so much going on, so many things that can draw our attention away. The, um, <laughs> I got watching a 
Actually, I was watching on a plane without any sound because I didn't know how to get headphones. But uh, anyway, there, when we were on a plane a couple weeks ago, I saw uh, they were showing the, the uh, uh, I'm sorry, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie, and uh, he was in a boxing match, and at the beginning of it, he, he takes a little handkerchief and he throws up in the air. That's his distraction, and then he breaks the guy's jaw. Uh, but I was just thinking about how many times we get distracted right now from the things that are important. First job I had was um, in a Dairy King, not a Dairy Queen, a Dairy King. And uh, it was really weird because, and I, I've told this before, but this is one of those ones you can't make this up. This is true. Uh, this guy had a funeral parlor, King's Funeral Parlor, and in the parking lot of his funeral parlor, he had a Dairy Queen restaurant, except it was privately owned, so he called it Dairy King, and his name was King. So it was King's Funeral Parlor and King's Ice Cream Stand. Great combination. You got double use of the freezers. But anyway, uh, the, uh, but, but in, anyway, this is my first job, two bucks an hour. Okay, uh, two bucks an hour, now all you can lick off your fingers. But I remember very well that, uh, you know, this is back in the day when you had to have some serious skill to work in a Dairy Queen because the, the machine didn't come out and make a little dipsy do on the top. You had to do the whole twirly thing and build it up. And I sent out some works of art, I got to tell you. Uh, they were, they, there were some amazing ones. I mean, several times people were like, can you redo this? That's just pitiful. Uh, you know, I had, you know, fat layers of fat hanging over where they weren't supposed to be. It was pretty bad. But, uh, but then Mr. King got this idea one day. He said, you know, Dairy Queen down the road is doing the twist combs. And we didn't have a twist machine that did both flavors. So we were supposed to put a rim of chocolate and then a rim of vanilla and then a rim of chocolate. Yeah, I cannot tell you what those things look like. Uh, but, I can, but I'm in there one day trying to build this little cone like that. And, uh, and I said, whose stupid idea was this? And sure enough, Mr. King was standing in the back door. And uh, you just remember him saying, that would be mine. Uh, like, like that. He's the one who thought of this. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we're just flat out looking at our at life right now and saying, how'd this happen? Whose stupid idea is this? And I think we have to say, you know, with, I mean, honestly, you know, again, whether you're looking at today or looking at last year and saying, who put this guy in charge? I think you have to hear the voice. I, I think. Now, again, change my mind if you want. You can send me an email. Don't make it nasty. But if you're thinking, no, I, I totally disagree. But, but uh, who put that guy in charge? Again, God didn't wake up the next morning and say, Stink. Then vote for him. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I voted for the third-party candidate, uh, and you know, and he, he didn't get in. You know, God is God is not you know surprised by that. So maybe, folks, maybe if we can get a hold of these truths from this passage, maybe if we can grab onto these, maybe we can keep from freaking out. <laughs> okay, I mean, honestly, maybe we can we can do that. Not live in anger and anxiety, which many people are right now. Maybe we can run to him for our shelter and our rest and get our hope out of the political system. I don't know how else to say that, regardless of where it is. Maybe we can really live like his kingdom is the most important kingdom, if we, if we believe that. And maybe, and, and again, I'll be an equal opportunity offender here. Maybe instead, no, no in addition to caring about people's health and caring about people's physical lives, we can get back to caring about, we can get back to caring about the fact that uh, people need Jesus Christ. That's the eternal souls. 
Maybe in addition to being passionate about our liberties, we can be passionate about proclaiming that there is freedom found in Jesus Christ, deliverance from sin, and that's the only real freedom that, that is going to be important and last into eternity. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying here? I think with all, I looked at this, and, and honestly, you know, I kind of flirt with things and talk to God, and I was like, ah, God, maybe I'll just skip this chapter because we talked about this kingdom things before, but, and I don't like, you know, I, I don't like to be like, okay, what's the hot button issue today? Let's talk about that. But as I read it, I, I first thought, hey, we've talked about this idea a lot, this idea of his kingdom and not this kingdom and not being preoccupied here. And I just really sense, you know, more than it, man, this is, we probably need to hear this over and over again right now, okay? That it is about his kingdom. It is about the things that are truly important. It is about the eternal destiny. It is. It is about the eternal destiny of people. So if we're so preoccupied in our political battles that we uh, are, are not even proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And folks, this is happening today. It is. I mean, we, we want to make sure people know, you know, what candidate we like and what position we like and what we think about this. But are we passionate about sharing the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life so that people could know eternal life? Are we passionate about sharing that? I'm, I'm at, and, and notice Notice the tense, uh, not the tense, notice the person I'm talking in, first person, because this very much rebukes me too. You know, I mean, how much time did I spend fretting about this or fretting about this, and how passionate am I about the gospel of Jesus Christ? So maybe today God has brought you here to refocus on him and his kingdom and the things that are important. Maybe today God has brought you here so that I could remind you that entrance into his kingdom comes one way, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is through saying, I need, I need this Savior who's died for me. I want to trust and place my faith, faith in him. Maybe God has brought us here on this beautiful Mother's Day to just draw our attention again and refocus us to hit on, onto his kingdom. The songs, I, I'm, I always get... You know, I, I shouldn't get amazed anymore about how God does that. I've mentioned before, and first of all, how much I appreciate these guys that do the music around here because they do it despite the fact that their lives are incredibly busy. But I, I never want to call them up and say, I need this song or this song. I just kind of let them follow. And I always think it is cool how God takes and puts the perfect songs for the message. And, you know, just the, this whole idea of how many people right now are wrapped up in this spirit of fear and the lies that go with it. And the chance to proclaim today the truth that his kingdom, God reigns. Okay, God reigns. And the day comes when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. I'm going to pray. We're going to end the service a little bit different today, being Mother's Day. Just have a, a little video for you for a few minutes. But before we, uh, before we do, I, I just want to encourage you again to say, why, just even while we pray, God, why'd you bring me here today? Where does my life need refocused on the things that are important, your kingdom? God, I don't even know for sure that I'm acceptable in your kingdom. Here's the thing. We're not. We're not acceptable to his kingdom. It's perfect. But Jesus Christ died and said, trust in me, and I'll make you perfect. And then you're acceptable if you believe in me. Father, Lord, especially on that point that I just said, I know I just mentioned it briefly, 
And Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit would work powerfully in drawing people to a place of belief in you. And Lord, for all of us, may we, uh, may we not follow the deception. May we not follow the handkerchief that's thrown in front of us to get us off track. May we keep our eyes focused on the things that are important. You, your kingdom, loving others but, and, the gospel, and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, would you take this time and refocus us in that direction, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.